This is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, the early church, as recorded in the Bible, in particular in the book of Acts, did just amazing, crazy things. Um, and, and one of the things that they did was how they handled their money and their possessions was nothing short of shocking, amazing really a head scratcher if you think about it. I mean, they would literally go out and sell their land, sell their their homes at times, bring all the sales, uh, the proceeds from the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. In other words, give it to the church, the gathering of believers. And uh, apparently they knew a secret about money and about possessions that we don't know today. If we did, if we knew this secret, I think we would all handle our money and our possessions very differently from how we do currently and presently. And so I'm excited to share with you this secret um, that's dawning on me and is really shaping the way that I spend my money, that our family spends our money, and the way that we see possessions. We see things in a very, very different light. So listen in and be blessed and be inspired to spend your money and use your money differently once you understand the secret. Talking, uh, we've been in Acts. We're going to continue to be in Acts. We're in the second part or the last part of Acts. And I want you to look at this. Um, yes, there's the aspect of money today. Um, because I, it's so cool. When you take a book and you just start walking through it and reading through it, different topics come up. And this is the topic of the day. This is where we're at in Acts 4. And so instead of cringing and thinking, oh, we're talking about money in church again, I want you to see what God can do with your money. That's the goal today. I want you to see and be blown away. Oh, children's church can be dismissed if there's, I see a couple of kids. Sorry about that. (laughs) I want you to see what God can do with your money. All right? And it is absolutely exciting. The numbers are mind-boggling. When God gets one of your dollars, what he will do with it. What he can, not just what he can, what he will do with it. And so let's read in Acts 4, verses 32 to 37. We find that all the believers, now there's about 5,000 of them. Can you imagine, just in a matter of a couple of weeks, there's this group of people of 5,000 people that were meeting. That it just They went from 120 to 5,000 just overnight. And all the believers, these 5,000 people, were of one, one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions as their own. That's interesting. And they shared everything that they had. Boy, that would be interesting. Hey, you need, a, you need to use my car? Here's the keys. You know, <laughs> uh, we're not there yet. I'm not there yet. You know, I, I like to share. I like to give. But I also like to make sure my stuff is safe, you know, and it's used wisely. Man, these guys were wholesale just here. If you have need within their group, they shared With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. God's grace was work. See, they were like, grace is better than money. Grace is better than stuff. Grace is better than material things. And so this is what was life-changing, was God's grace that was so powerful at work within them. 
There was no, no needy persons among them from time to time. Listen to this. Those who owned land. It wasn't just like, here's a, here's a buck. You know, here's my, you can use my car for the evening. No, these people went all the way from time to time. They even sold land and houses and brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to everyone who had need. What a paradigm shift. What a shocker. What a different way of living these people uh, experience. And then there's this guy named Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the, apostle called, the apostles called Barnabas. And we're going to read a lot more about Barnabas. This is kind of a tee-up to this guy. And his, his name meant son of encouragement. I love people who are encouraging. I hate it when I'm torn down or ripped up or, 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 or put down. This guy's name was Son of Encouragement. He sold a field of his own and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. It just gave an example of someone who did this. All right? Now, here's my question for myself. My question for you is, what on earth caused these people to live this way. What happened to these people that they were so willing and so generous and so caring and so almost nonchalant about their stuff, about their money? Well, I'll tell you, they knew a secret that we don't know. If we knew the secret that they knew, we would start living the same way gradually. You know, a lot of people say, hey, you know, here's God's way of living. Here's the way he wants you to live. Here's where you're at. Now make this massive monumental leap and get to where God wants you to be. Hey, that just ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen with me. It's not going to happen with you. And it's not going to happen with most any human. We are, we're creatures that take small little incremental steps. And sometimes the Holy Spirit comes and helps us get to a place faster. But don't be hard on yourself. Just, just receive. Receive what this is telling us. And let's see if we can't start making progress to the place where God wants us to be. But they knew a secret about money that I don't think many, if any of us, fully comprehend or fully know. And I want us to explore the secret today. It's going to get you very excited to see how God can take your money and do something amazing with it. Well, the secret is really expressed in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11, and I'll read it to you, and you can follow along up here on the screen. It says, this is the Apostle Paul. So he had an experience, he had experienced the same thing, and this, these were his conclusions. This was his observation. He said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, if you just pause there and you see, you know, money... Can, can actually give you a return. And we know that physically, that you invest money, that you can get money back. But God's economy is totally different than this world's economy. So here we see, if you sow, you reap. And whoever sows generously is also going to reap generously. But you know what? Each of you should give the way that you've decided to give in your heart. Not reluctantly, not because the pastor's holding a gun to your head and saying, give, give, give. No, not that way. For God loves a cheerful giver. He loves people that want to give. God knows us so well. He knows that he can't make you do something. Well, God can make you. He can do anything he wants to. 
But God realizes that he, the heart has to be in it. And see, God gets in there and he starts changing your desires and the things that you used to want, you don't want so much. And the things that you didn't want, you start wanting again. God helps you to want to give, to be a cheerful giver. And God is also able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We're starting to see a little picture here, maybe a secret that we didn't fully understand that people even like Bill Gates understands. <laughs> that if you start investing, you start giving, and I don't agree with everything that he gives into, so please hold your judgment. But if you start being generous, it's going to come back to you more than you could ever imagine. Ever imagine. So in all things, at all times, having all you need, you're going to begin to abound in unbelievably huge mammoth monumental works that God has already prepared for you to do in advance. It's just for us to discover those things. As it is written, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. You see, when you plant righteousness is going to pop up and righteousness is way better than a million bucks. It's way better than winning the lottery, but it includes also financial blessings. Now he who supplies, look at this, he who supplies seed to the sower. And I want to ask you this morning, are you a sower or are you a hoarder? <laughs> so it's good to save money. Don't get me wrong. But God has more for you than just spending every dollar that you make or saving every dollar that you make. God has a purpose, an unbelievably fruitful purpose for your money. And he wants to show you the blessings that will get poured back over you financially, I will say, more and more as you are more and more generous because righteousness endures forever. Now him who supplies seed, seed to the sower... Bread for food. God knows that you have needs and that you have wants. You might be eyeing some car or, or a watch or some clothes or, or even a new house. You know what? God knows that you want that. And God wants to bless you not only with your needs, but also that you, with your wants. So he gives you bread for food and will supply and increase your store of seed. Now, I'm going to say this just while we're on it really quick. Back Way back when, farmers would build storehouses, for, you know, big old places to store. And what they stored in there was, yes, maybe some wheat for the winter and, and, and some things. But the storehouse was mostly for seed because they were putting that seed away until it was time to sow it. And so God gives you big old barns and storehouses for you to put your seed because you're going to take that seed and you're going to sow it. And the Bible talks about God expanding your storehouses, expanding your storehouses. He will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness and you will be enriched. Steve, did you just say rich in church? Yes, I did. God wants to enrich you in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. Being generous is one of the funnest, 
most awesome, exciting, fulfilling, satisfying things you can do in your life. But can you give if you've decided to spend all your money? Can you give if you're a hoarder and you absolutely penny pinch and there's no way I'm giving them? They might use it wrong. You can't be generous when you're that way. God wants you to loosen up, lighten up, and begin to be generous. And you're going to see blessings that you've never dreamed possible in your life. And so through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, let me give you a disclaimer just really quick. And I want you to really key in on this. The, the sowing and the reaping that I'm talking about today is not the tithe. The, not the tithe. To say, hey, I'm sowing into this church, but you haven't tithed? Hey, the tithe is no seed. The tithe, the 10% of your income, belongs to God. Do you get that? It belongs to God. You're not sowing anything when you give a tithe. You're just giving God what's due him. And in fact, in Malachi, we'll see this Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10, God equates you not tithing, me not tithing, with robbing God, with stealing God from God. I'm so thankful for my parents. They taught me to tithe at a very early age. <laughs> and it it was ingrained in me. And I'll tell you what, from a very early age, I've always tithed. I've always lived on 90% of my income. I'm not bragging, I'm not complaining, I'm just telling you that it was it's just that way. We learned to do that in everybody Everybody can do it and everybody should do it. But I'm not here to talk about the tithe. I'm here to tell you what happens once you've tithed. If you start sowing from your 90%, what's going to happen to you? It is absolutely unbelievable. All right, so everything that we talk about today is beyond this tithe. And the secret that the early church knew about was not the tithe. That was just common knowledge. There's no secret about that. But what I'm telling you today is, in fact, going to ex explain the secret that they understood, why they would go sell their property, why they would give, why they would share, why they would be generous. Now, I want to give you an observation. These properties that these people were selling, this land, these homes, I'm sure were investments and sources of income to these people. Not too far off, which just blows my mind, and I'm certainly not encouraging you to do this, but it would be paramount to us cashing in our 401k and coming and putting it into the church. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not even recommending that you do that. But I want you to see what these people were doing. They were all in because they knew a secret that we don't know. And here it is. They realized that money was more than just money. Money... <laughs> Every coin, every dollar was a spiritual seed that if planted could produce a return. And I'm, this isn't a typo of 10,000% or more, 10,000% or more. And I want to give you some biblical examples that, that prove what I'm telling you here is true. Now, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. I'm just going to follow my line, line of thought here. So in, in, in Matthew... 13.8, Jesus gives this parable of a farmer. 
And he says that some of the seed, I won't go into where all the places where the seeds fell, but when the seed fell on good ground, it produced a crop of 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, a 100% rate of return means I put $100 in and I get $200 back. I double my money. 100% rate of return is unbelievable. Any investor, anybody that's interested in, in investing and get a, or getting a return back would say 100% rate of return is awesome. In fact, we go down, you can go down to the credit union and you might get 3 4% rate of return. And I just said that Jesus said <laughs> that he's talking about 10,000% rate of return. 6,000% rate of return. 3,000% rate of return. Numbers that blow your ever-living mind. And when you start seeing my money is a seed that can have this kind of return, you start living in a totally different realm. You start seeing things completely and totally differently. So let's just look at, I'll throw up an example, an investment example up here. Let's say you had, uh, you know, you're going to invest $1,000 of your hard-earned cash. You're going to put it away, all right? And you think you found an investment that gives you 50% return back. You would be patting yourself on the back big time. You'd be saying, I've got this thing figured out. 50% rate, that's that's unheard of. And it's a guarantee. Let's say you found somehow. In in fact, if you find guaranteed 50% rate of return, you're going to be a multi-gazillionaire just on that alone. All right? So let's say you found that. 50% is pretty good. I'm talking about a 10,000 rate of return. According to the Bible, according to Jesus. All right? So I have, let's start putting this into perspective. I have an apple tree, a small apple tree in my backyard. And Tina and I were talking about it today, or actually this week. And we think we get about 200 apples a year off of that tree. On a good good harvest, probably a little bit more than that. I'm telling you, we make apple pie we make apple this, apple that, apple sauce. We give some apples away, and then there's the blasted apples at the top of the tree that we can't even reach that the birds have. But I guarantee you, we, we probably get about 200 apples off of that tree every year. Well, what does that look like? That's a 20,000 rate of return on that one seed that was originally planted, and that happens every year, 20,000 thousand percent rate of return on that apple tree now i tried to work up the schedule and i did some math errors and finally i just gave up i quit even trying but if you were to take a hundred of those seeds and plant those every year and an apple tree grows in about five years ten years it becomes fruitful i mean the numbers are monumental as to how many apples you can get off of one of those little seeds Well, there's a boy in the Bible. (laughs) Jesus was talking to his disciples. He has 5,000 men plus women plus children, no food. And this one little boy says, you know, I don't know if he offered it, (laughs) but he was. They said, all we have are, you know, one little boy's lunch. And they took that lunch 
And Jesus multiplied what was placed in his hand. That seed, that lunch was placed in his hand. And Jesus began to break the bread and break the fish. And it multiplied, feeding 5,000 men, plus women, plus children, plus 12 basketfuls left over after everything was done. So if you forget the men, forget the women, forget the 12 basketfuls, that's 500,000% rate of return because one little boy gave what he had. Gave what he had. I'm telling you, this is the secret this New Testament church realized. Every buck I give, every coin, everything I give into the kingdom is going to multiply a hundredfold. Is, is a, what did I say? 10,000% rate of return. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe God has the power to do this kind of thing? Do you believe God will use this, your money when you plan it this way? Do you believe that? It's kind of a leap of faith, right? I tell you what, I'm experimenting with this myself, and the jury's out. But I'll tell you, God is providing for my family in incredible ways. Why? Because last year... <laughs> Again, I'm not bragging. I'm not complaining. But we had our savings for the year, and that's what we're going to live off of. And I began to realize, hey, some of this is seed. I better plant it ASAP, as soon as possible. Because I want a return next, next year that will give us bread and seed. Look at Isaac in Genesis 26.12. It says of him that he planted crops in the land that he was in. In that same year, he reaped a hundredfold, which is 10,000% ROI, return on investment, because God blessed him. That's the key ingredient right there. You can put your money anywhere, but if you put your money in the kingdom of heaven as a farmer, as a spiritual farmer, you're going to start seeing returns that you wouldn't see anywhere else so that you can get rich, fat, and happy? No. No, that's not the point. You're a farmer. You want to take that seed, reinvest it, get a bigger crop, do it over again, and do it over again, and keep investing more and more and more into the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. This is not a message about get rich quick and, and uh, faith proves, you know, that riches prove your faith. That is not the point. The point is you're investing in the kingdom of heaven and God takes that money and multiplies it over and over and over again. Look in Matthew 13, just to whet our appetite even more. Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Right? This field didn't belong to him. And I don't know what he was doing, digging around in somebody else's field, but he did. All right? And he found some treasure. And with joy, <laughs> he went and sold everything that he had and bought the field because the treasure was in the field, man. 
I'll tell you what, when you find Jesus and you find the exorbitant rate of return that he gives, not just financially, but in your spiritual sense, man, with your family, with your health, with so many other benefits, you say, forget it. I'll give all this up because I want him and I want what he has for me. Jesus gives another parable here. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he finds ones, he finds one of great value. He went away and sold everything that he had, and he bought it. And that's what this early church was doing. They were selling their property. They were selling their houses. They were bringing all of the proceeds in and saying, I found something better than all this stuff that I have. And they, their secret was when they gave, they found God gave back to them over abundantly, more than they could ever ask or think or imagine. And then they did it over again. They kept doing it and doing it. Why? Because God is endless, limitless. He owns everything. And if, if there's something that we need that he doesn't have in creation, he will produce it because he's miraculous, amazing, and unbelievable. Unbelievable. So the question is not how much you have or how much you don't have. It's how much you've planted. You know, I hear people say, don't give and expect God to give back to you. That's that's bad. You're doing it for selfish reasons. That's bogus. That's baloney. I'm keeping track of everything that I give. I want to know what I've planted so that I can expect a mighty, fantastic return to live off of and then to plant some more. I'm seriously, I'm keeping track of everything that I give above my tithe because I know how much I've planted and I know the potential of the harvest because of what I planted. Do you get it? That's exciting adventurous way of living and how God expects you to live. That's really about the only reason to keep a personal budget is to make sure you're setting aside amount for seed because you need more for next year and you need to be generous for next year and God wants you to grow in generosity and grow in blessing. Grow in blessing. This is what the early church understood right here so when people i mean i haven't done this yet but i'm waiting for the the opportunity it'll happen real soon when somebody asks me hey steve what do you do for a living you know what i'm going to tell them i'm looking forward to this i'm going to say hey what do you do for a living i'm going to say i'm a spiritual farmer they're going to say you're a what and then i get to preach this whole thing over again I'm a spiritual farmer, and I want you to be spiritual farmers as well. You don't have the limitations of your salary anymore. You don't have the limitations of your Social Security anymore. You don't have any more limitations except for what you plant or don't plant. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? And you say, well, Steve, I don't know. This is scary stuff. I mean, you know, I've, I've got fixed income, and I, you know... Start with five bucks. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to go sell your car. I'm just saying, try God. Test God and see if he doesn't pour out so much blessing on you that you can't even imagine. But, but, 
Before you ever even do $1, $5, $10, or $1,000 or more, in your mind say, when the return comes, I have already purposed in my heart that I'm going to give more than what I'm giving here. All right? I'm going to give, let's say I give 1000 I'm going to give $5, and God blesses me with 500 Okay, God, before I get to 500 I'm, I commit to you, I'm going to give 50. All right, I gave five. When the, when the inflow comes, and who knows, God can make it come from any direction. He can give you a business idea. He can, he, he can bless you literally with cold, hard cash. He can, he can, he can keep, keep expenses from happening so that you build up money. That He can do it any way that he wants to. But you say, God, when the 500 comes, I pledge $50 as more seed. And you see, you start growing in that and saying this is going to be a virtual, virtuous cycle that just keeps growing and growing. You're going to grow in blessing. You're going to grow in generosity. And best of all, the kingdom of heaven is going to be advanced because you gave. You're not limited. Stop thinking, oh, I only make $30,000. You're only bringing $900 a month. Oh, stop it already and start seeing the potential of you planting. Amen. Who plants? Well, a spiritual farmer plants. And uh, I kind of alluded to this already in Proverbs 3.10. It says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Filled to overflowing. Your barns will be filled to overflowing with what? Seed. Seed, praise God. And your vats are going to brim over with new wine. Praise God. I'm telling you, and I don't like to say things prophetically, because, it, but I feel like this is prophetic, man. I'm telling you, God is going to start blessing you guys like you would not believe. Your limits, the, the glass ceiling is going to come off. And you're going to start experiencing what I'm talking about. And this church is going to be able to give gazillions of dollars into the kingdom of heaven, if there's such a number. We're going to support missions. We're going to start things here in town, all because God is going to cause a wellspring to start flowing up in you. And you're going to do things that you never dreamed that you could do. Man, praise God. Well, I told you last year about this guy named Brother Corn. Do you guys does anybody remember Brother Corn? <laughs> all right, here's a real-life modern-day example. All right, Brother Corn, I went to this church in um, Phoenix, Phoenix First Assembly. And this, <laughs> it was so funny. I won't tell you the whole story, but this big old Kansas guy comes up. He's, you know, it looks like his pants are about to burst because he's a big guy you know he's got his cowboy hat on his jeans and he's got a Kansas drawl which I can even uh, imitate and brother corn was a farmer literally planted corn all right and he did exactly what I was I've been talking about today he tithed first and then he started investing some of his proceeds from his farm into ministry and he went through the whole story. I can't remember all the details, but he went through the whole story. He got to the place where he was living off of 10% of his income and giving 90% of the rest. Inverse, the opposite. We, we, we're like hard-pressed to give 10. He was giving 90 and living off. Why? Because the amount of, of his 
return was growing so big he didn't need it all. And so he just kept investing, investing, investing. And, and this guy was, he just blew my mind. I'll never forget Brother Corn. <laughs> the other guy is a pastor. Now, pastors tend to be, they don't, shouldn't. You wouldn't expect a pastor to make much money, right? They're, they're there. They've got a calling in their life. And there's this pastor who started a church in California. And I can't remember all the details, so I'm, I'm not going to say what I, what I believe to be true. But I know he started the church with nothing, and he got to the place also where he paid back 25 years of his salary to the church and was living and is living off of 10% and giving. That's a pastor. Now, pastors shouldn't be making a whole lot of money, right? But yet, even a pastor, even a farmer, even you can live this way. Even you can. And you should live this way. Test God and see. Now, we talked about money. We talked about it. I don't know, I try to make it a point at least once a year. It's important. It's an important part of our spiritual lives. And so my question is this. What does a spiritual farmer look like? And I last year we, we spoke on this, and the podcast is Seven Steps to Position You for Financial Fruitfulness. And I challenge you to listen to that one. All right, you can go to our website and then go to podcasts, and then you can find it that way. But I just want to remind you what those seven steps are because... This is what a spiritual farmer looks like. Seven attributes, seven characteristics. First of all, they obey God. Why? Because that's the the portal to blessing. (laughs) If you obey God, if you do what God tells you to do, the Bible tells you that you're going to be blessed. You can read it in in Deuteronomy 28. You can take a picture of this and, and look at it for yourself. All right? Deuteronomy 28 expresses how blessings from God, excuse me, obedience to God produces blessings in your life. So as a spiritual farmer, you have to be obedient to God. Secondly, you need to be humble. Why do you need to be humble? Well, God gives grace to the humble. He gives his favor to the humble. You'll be favored if you are humble before the Lord and not be prideful, not be a know-it-all and say, God, there's things that I still have to learn. Show me those things so you're humble. And, and then number three, a spiritual farmer is willing to receive. And this, i tell you what, I, I, I can't tell you how important this is. There's some people that are real easy, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. But there's other people that are so self-sufficient, so independent that you try to give them something, they won't take it. And that's bad. <laughs> if somebody gives you something, receive it. Receive it. Because that's the only way you're ever going to grow with something to be able to give is if you receive. So be a receiver and show your dependence on God. And in John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13 kind of address that. Number four, be generous and compassionate. A, a spiritual farmer in, or, in order to have a harvest has got to be generous and has got to be compassionate. we got to be broken for the, for the poor immigrants that are coming. Put your politics to the side. This is a a tragedy, man. These people, I talked to them on the street. These people, they they expected to come here and get a job. And they're not getting jobs. And they don't have money. And they don't have food. And they don't have anything. Have compassion on them. Let your heart break for their situation and their circumstances. So much that you actually would be willing to do something. And we're 
Darren and I are kind of brainstorming about that. What can we do to help these poor people, even if we never see them again? Even if it's just helping them in their one step in the journey, beyond that, they'll have hundreds of steps. But we're here beside them to help them. Have compassionate. Be generous. Number five, if you're going to be a spiritual farmer, you better be a hard worker. You better roll up your sleeves and say, God, I'll work. I will do. I will do whatever you tell me to do. I will serve. My goal this year is to see that at least 80 to 90% of our church is involved in some form of service. Whether outside these four walls or in these four walls. We need to be hard workers. You say, well, I'm busy. Well, guess what? I bet I'm busier. (laughs) Don't let busyness keep you from doing something for Jesus. Come on, that's just an excuse. Say, I want to work. I want to be a hard worker. If there's anything that I pray I leave my kids, it's hard work. Hard work, man, doing something, being something. Uh, God, that was one of the first things that he did to Adam. Work wasn't a curse of sin, by the way. <laughs> right? I mean, Adam was working before he fell. That was the, that God raised this man up and said, here, let's go work. Let's go do something, all right? I tell everybody should work, so be a hard worker. Man, you'll get me on a, on a uh, soapbox on that one. All right, the number six, and this is crazy. You've got to read Psalm 67, 5 through 7. I'm not, I don't have it up here. But if you want to harvest, you've got to be a worshiper. You've got to praise God with all your heart throughout the day, in the morning, at night, in the middle of the night, you're going through a problem, say, I praise you, God, for my problem. You have an impossibility, praise God, you're bigger than my problem. All right, like we were seeing, he's bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. I praise you, God, over my problem. And lastly, you got to value the divine over the material. you got to say, Jesus, I want what you got more than what I want from this world or what I see from this world. And that's a, that's a big one. That's a big challenge. But problems will get you there. <laughs> I talked about this over a year ago. Here's David. He's running for his life from Saul. He comes to these priests. He says, give me what you have. And he said, all we have is a holy showbread that we put before the presence of the Lord every day. He says, I'll take some of it. You know what David was saying? God, give me the divine. I'm trapped. I, my life has fallen apart. Give me some, something divine that will see me through this. You've got to want the divine more than you want the material. All right. So God gives seed to who? To those people that are going to sow. You want your barns filled? Be a sower. Decide. Know how much you've planted into the kingdom of heaven. How much you've put into the kingdom of heaven. So God gives seeds to spiritual farmers. And I'm asking you, are you one? Are you a spiritual farmer? Or do you want to be one? Would you like to start today? I was thinking, this is totally off script here, man. I was thinking about a little cool business idea that God gave me several years ago. And and. I started making some money on the side. Man, it was going good. I didn't, I tithed. I didn't plant a stinking dollar out of that. And the whole thing shriveled up and died after a while. The whole concept just shriveled up and died. 
And I, I felt like God was showing me this week, because I've always wondered, what was the purpose of that? You know, this little nice little side gig that was helping us. And God showed me that was what I was trying to teach you at that time to be a spiritual farmer, and you missed it. But guess what, Steve? Today is a new day. <laughs> you can start. And we are. We're doing it now as a family. We've decided to, to sow. Every time income comes in, we're, we're tithing, and then we're sowing. And I'm keeping track of it. And I know how much I've planted. And I challenge you to start planting in the kingdom of heaven. All right, so what can we plant? Well, obviously, money. We've been talking about that today. And don't eat your seed. That's what God showed me last, last year. Don't eat your seed. Plant your seed. Plant your seed. Don't eat it. Don't save it. Plant it. <laughs> All right? You can plant your time. You can plant your emotion. You can plant your expertise. You can plant your giftedness. And I'm telling you, as we go through Acts, we're going to start talking about spiritual gifts and see that those spiritual gifts start Start stirring up in you to do what God has for you to do. It's going to be super exciting, but you can plant your giftedness. So how do we plant? We plant enthusiastically. All right? We plant expectantly. We plant joyfully. It's fun to plant because you know, my goodness, that seed is going to turn into hundred times of what it is. I get excited about that. Prayerfully, plant prayerfully. You know, pray, God, where do you want me to plant my seed? I want to plant it in good ground and get a good crop, good return. I want to plant consistently. You don't just do it one time. You keep, you're consistent and do more and churn it and get bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more so that you can impact the kingdom accordingly. Now look at this. You plant philosophically. What on earth does philosophically mean? That means it becomes your philosophy, your way of thinking, your approach to life is, hey, this is my philosophy. I preach it. I teach it. I uh, exhibit it. I, I exemplify it. This is my philosophy to be a spiritual farmer. You do it powerfully because you know the power of God is behind it. You do it lovingly. <laughs> You plant lovingly because you love God and you love people. And you don't like seeing people miserable. And you want to be a part of the solution instead of part of the problem. But lastly, I'll say this. When do you plant? <laughs> Here's the good news about spiritual farmers is there's no in season, out of season. You plant now. Do it now. Go home and pray about it, not God when. Not God, why? Because we've already explained all that. <laughs> you plant, God, where? Just tell me, and I'll do it this week. God, you see I have $2 burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go plant into the kingdom of heaven. You can plant into this church. You can plant into a ministry that you see is thriving. All right, but plant into good ground where you know the return is going to be good. So I'll end with this. We've had this little missions project. Guess what? We'll keep it open one more week. One more week. I'll tell you, you want good ground? Malawi is good ground. Missionaries, missionaries there. Churches being planted. All right? 
We, we're, one more week, and I challenge you. You say, well, Steve already gave $150. Give a little bit more. <laughs> Push a little bit more. See if God doesn't bless what you plant and expect a return, all right? So we're going to have these missions projects throughout the year, just maybe two or three or four a year, but that challenges us, and I promise you, every penny that you give it's going straight to the missionaries. There's no, you know, nothing. You don't ever have to worry about that side of the accountability piece. Um, but here's the other thing. And Tina and I have been talking about this. I think I even mentioned it to Brother Jimmy. I would like to build a team of farmers. Tina and I would like to build a team of farmers and meet with you guys two times a year. We'll have maybe get a little restaurant and reserve a whole room for ourselves um, we'll ask you to, to, to pay for the meal. Maybe someday the church will be in position to pay for you, but maybe it'll be $10 or so. And I want you to come, and we're going to talk about what the church is doing, what our vision is, and challenge you to be spiritual farmers with us in what we're doing here. And, and start casting vision and saying, you know what? Last year we gave X number of dollars to missions, but this year we want to give more. And what can we do collectively? You say, well, I got $5. Good. Let's give the $5. Well, I've got $1,000. Good. You give the $1,000, but let's, let's pool our resources and start investing into the kingdom of heaven. And you are going to start seeing blessing in your life like you've never seen before. And I'm not being some crazy televangelist or whatever. I'm living this way. <laughs> And I'm not taking the salary from this church. I'm not looking for anything for myself. This is for the kingdom of heaven, guys. And let me tell you what, if I can do it, you can do it. We can all do it. And I challenge you. Let's pray.